Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hey everybody. I want to welcome you. Yeah, I do. To this edition of Bible News Radio. <laughs> yeah. Okay, hey, is there beer on tap at a church near you? That is the question of the day. So we we are going to talk about this stunning news. Yeah, we are We're coming out of the church. It's really not that stunning. It really isn't. <clears throat> and the good news is we are live on Facebook today. Hi, Facebook people. Yeah, we are. We are live on Facebook and YouTube, too. Yeah, we are. Okay, anyway. Um, and we're on Periscope. I'm going to share this out over on uh, YouTube. But I have to mute it su- subtly. Okay, it's muted, but wait, hold on. Okay, anyway. Let's see. Um, and we're on I clicked it. <laughs> Every time I click it, I have to... <laughs> I have to subtly mute it because the music is playing through my computer. Alright, here we go. I'm going to type... We are live right now. Come join us. Thank you. Gotta be polite. All right, there we go. You know we do have some old desktops lying around. It might behoove us to have one of those. It's just our source for audio only or something like that. So you know, just thinking out loud. All right. Thinking out loud. There's an earthquake going on here. <laughs> just so you know. All right, Stacy dancing at the table. I love this music. <laughs> hey, and I actually just got home from seeing one of my good friends that I play pickleball with actually play music at my dad's assisted living, and he played some cool stuff. Stuff that I thought was totally cool, actually. Some of it was way before my time. I didn't even know it existed, but you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. I am kind of shy. I know that some of yeah. you... <laughs> kind of means just like maybe the percent you are Jewish, the percent you are shy, even though there's not a correlation there because you'd think just the opposite, but... Hey, are you implying that I'm not shy? I am. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay, you well, may not like crowds of people, but... I don't. I don't like crowds at all. But you're not... <clears throat> inhibited in your expression <laughs> except for when it comes to you know uh dancing in public yeah although i can say actually over the years i think that i've gotten better at it yeah yeah i did more comfortable with it for sure yep randall on the other hand he's like 
dancing by myself. I like to dance by myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, was, that to be, was that supposed to be Billy Idol? I have no idea. Dancing with myself. Uh-oh, dancing with myself. <laughs> okay. All right. Hello, Jason Wallace. Thank you for sharing that out, by the way. Hi, Diane and Melanie and Mia and whoever else is watching. Wait, is there anybody else watching? Have, do, we, do we even have an audience? Why do people come to this show? Tony and Patriots United. All right. So cool. All right. Ooh, I have to share this out. I'm going to share it out. Hey, podcast listeners, don't you love the beginning of my show? I bet you some of you fast forward through the first three minutes, don't you? Sometimes you miss the whole bunch of fun stuff, though, if you do that. Catholic Church Summerfest Beer Tent. The Rampant Design Tools Dance, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who said that? Melanie, of course. (laughs) Melanie's on top of it. Melanie could win a contest on Bible News Radio trivia, hands down. Yeah. Okay, so before I start this show, I have to share something on a serious note. Don't worry, nobody's dying or anything. But, you know, I I do, I I actually have a friend who, uh, yesterday I found out they reported that they had lung cancer. This is somebody I've known actually for almost 20 years, I think. It's quite a. It's been quite a while. Are you? Uh, am I? Am I hunching over? Yeah, you're hunching over for dramatic effect. I don't know. No, I'm gonna move the camera so. Okay. So you don't hunch off screen. So anyway, my friend mentioned. Whoops. My, too far. My my friend mentioned that it, that she might have lung cancer. Well, because the doctor said so. This morning, and and it kind of shook me up. It happened right after the show, so I didn't even know before my show, but it happened right after the show. This morning, I got a message that her doctor actually had uh, made a oopsie. Misdiagnosed? Yeah. They're like, oopsie. No, no. Actually, you really don't have lung cancer. And I'm like, (laughs) I read my friend's comment. She's very gracious. Of course, elated that she doesn't have cancer. But at the same time, I'm j- it just made me think, if it was you and you were having some serious health problems and they didn't know what it was and all of a sudden they told you you had cancer and then you go to the specialist that you were you saw and the next thing you know they're telling you, oh, wait, no, we made a mistake. Actually, seriously, um, no, you don't actually have cancer. What would you do and how would you feel? I was telling Randall, I said, I said, on the one hand, I would be elated that I didn't have cancer because nobody likes cancer, okay? Cancer sucks, literally, right? On the other hand, I think I would be really ticked off just a little bit because they scared the crap out of me by telling me I had cancer. So I don't know, just just, just out of curiosity. And this is just out of curiosity, nothing more. It has nothing to do with, with, that, with our show. But if this happened to you, put a one if you would be mad. Put a two if you would be relieved. <laughs> Just put a one if you would be mad if this happened to you. And put a two if you'd be like, yeah, I can build a bridge and get over it. Uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be that big of a deal if, if my doctor said I had cancer. And then the next day they said, oopsie, you know, I accidentally diagnosed you wrong. Yeah, so put a one and then put a two. And then we're going to talk here. 
we're going to get into this article over here about the beer in church. <clears throat> and the reason this caught my eye, honestly, is because I live here in Middle Tennessee, where most of the Christians that I know drink beer. Uh, I, I play pickleball and often go out to lunch with a lot of my buddies, and most of them drink beer afterwards. And so it's actually part of the, uh, it's part of the, the um, culture here in Tennessee. But in California, according to the Christian Post, there's this article titled, California Church to, Br to Build Brewery Drink Beer During Services, okay? <laughs> I guess this is really not much different than the Catholic Church serving actual wine for communion and the priests getting drunk behind, you know, <laughs> behind, over by the baptistry. <laughs> And when I listen to this, it says, a California church sold their church building and relocated in a, new, in a new space where beer is served and plans are underway to build a brewery where church services can occur. We decided to sell the building because for us, a church is a community and a movement, said Chris Van Hall, who leads the Greater Purpose Community Church in Santa Cruz, California. So note that where it's at. Uh, and this is what he told the NBC affiliate in the Bay Area last week. It's not brick and mortar. Van Hall's church community ended up in a food lounge, complete with several beer options, a move that reportedly gained them new followers, of course. He added, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't drink alcohol in a responsible manner. And that is true. Absolutely true, and just so I can lay my cards on the table. Wait, I don't have any. But if I did, I would lay them on the table, and I would say, absolutely, I am not a person personally that goes around saying, you can't drink alcohol. The Bible condemns it. You can't never have a sip of alcohol. I like wine myself. I'm not a big beer drinker. Uh, not even root beer, just so you know. <laughs> But, uh, but there are people like the old-fashioned Baptist and fundamentalists of old who say you can't drink, you can't dance, and you can't smoke and stuff like that. But the Bible doesn't actually say you can't drink alcohol. Jesus did. So, yeah, just saying. Anyway, it says here, food lounge owner Andrea Molenauer, whose business is hosting the church, thinks it's a great idea. Why not serve beer when we're reading the Bible verses I thought it was genius, she said. Oh my gosh. Formerly named Garfield Park Community Church, the Progressive Disciples of Christ Congregations About section on their Facebook page and website explains that they will embrace you regardless of your faith, personal life choices, your race, your sex, your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your political preference, your, so your social status, or your economic standing. We love and value all equally and at a greater purpose. Uh, community church all literally means all. Radical love and unity are sacred in our community. Van Hall came to Santa Cruz to plant a church, according to his bio on the CP, or rather GPCC website, in hopes of creating a place of safety for those who have justifiably left the church due to bigotry and hate-filled theology. And by the way, after this, I'm going to read you an article titled, Why Fewer Americans Are uh, Attending Religious Services. Interesting. Okay. So it says here, the pastor went on to explain that everyone drinks responsibly and that the church in the food lounge is a conversational atmosphere. 
He is presently converting a downtown bookstore into a brewery that will also serve as a church. Van Hall hopes to give 30 to 60% of the profits to charity. I thought to myself, wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be great if a church could figure out a way to make a product where they split the profits with local community service organizations? We were like, hey, we love beer. We love making beer. Why not do a brewery? Yet he maintains that this is not a marketing trick. And yet we're talking about it in, in the media because somebody alerted the media to it. So I, I don't actually believe him that it's not some marketing trick because the media knows about it if it, you know there's really no reason for the media to know about it just so you know anyway we don't want to dupe anyone and we don't want to have this bar and say okay come on in and boom you get a church service <clears throat> we don't want that but if people come for church a couple of beers improves the sermon van hall joked they can have one or two as a matter of fact if they have two my sermon's always better he said the idea of attracting people to church with beer is not new, which, of course, we all know that. In 2013, NPR reported that a Disciples of Christ congregation in Portland, Oregon, hosted monthly Saturday night gatherings called Beer and Hymns, in which participants consumed homemade stout from plastic cups with a two-beer limit and sang traditional hymns from a projection screen such as Be Thou My Vision. <laughs> One of Randall's favorite. This is one of my favorite hymns, too. In Europe, monks have been uh, brewing beer at least since the 6th century, and some of those monastery breweries are still in operation today, with Chimay in Belgium being one of the most famous. So there you have it. So I actually think, I actually do think this is a marketing gimmick because it shouldn't be in the news otherwise, right? And yes, Melanie, there's a true drink minimum. Absolutely. These churches need to go away like the ones that have Harry Potter themes to keep kids happy, uh, says Van Dahl over on Periscope. Uh, what, you got something against witchcraft? Or <laughs> just, just curious? I, you know, what, you? No, I'm just kidding. I think it's funny. <clears throat> because, yeah. and, and I don't think it's funny in a... Like in a ha-ha way, it, it is funny to me that the way people, and this identified, it's self-identified as a liberal congregation. I am anything but liberal. I'm probably as far right as you can probably go, um, with the exception of wanting to blow up clinics and stuff like that. I don't do that type of stuff because, I mean, really, that would create a lot of mess and takes too much time to blow stuff up, but... I I think that um, uh, like Rabbi Greg Hirschberg said in a recent message of his that these people miss the holiness of Christ and they, they actually miss the purpose of the gospel and really what the gospel there is all about. Instead of lifting up Christ and him glorified and crucified, for our sin, which is what we should be doing, we should be falling on our faces before him and, and going, hey, look, we are people of unclean lips. We are people of unclean hearts. We are people who need you. And, you know, woe is me. You know, I am a, unsin I am a sinful person, right? Instead of luring people with something that gratifies the flesh. And let's, let's just be honest. Beer gratifies the flesh. 
just like coffee does, okay? I, I, I feel that strongly too against churches that like have coffee bars, you know, Starbucks or whatever stupid coffee it is that you have. People go in, they lounge, they drink their coffee. Look, to me, a church service should be a sacred environment. This, you know, Moses, he, he was told, take your sandals off here. This is holy ground. And I actually think that's what the church should be. I think the church sanctuary, uh, the, the atmosphere, you know, I think all of that, I think it should be holy. You know, this is holy sacred ground. This is a place where Christ comes, where he should be the focus, not beer, not coffee, not the little trinket your kids can get, none of that stuff. And that's why I think that, frankly, there is a famine for the word of God in America. You know, I just, I just, I really do. And it's getting harder and harder and harder to point people to Christ, because frankly, here's, here's a challenge for you. I want to challenge you and I will challenge you. I know a lot of Christians try bringing up a Bible conversation with a Christian during a regular conversation, wherever you're at, see what happens. Even greater after you go to your, 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 your service at church, whether it's Saturday, Sunday, whatever, afterwards say, Hey bud, let's go out to, to lunch. But the only conversation we're going to have is about that sermon we just heard. See how long the conversation lasts. Me and Randall, we tried doing that when we were in California. We were attending church every Sunday. Couldn't do it. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because people were always talking about their latest thing on TV, video games, stupid things on Facebook, problems with their family, blah, 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 blah. And, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm trying to exhort and say, look, if you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't about you and how you market your flesh to get people to read the Bible, right? I mean, we established yesterday based on the actual 6,000 people were polled about how they actually read the Bible. And most people don't actually even read it, you know? And, and there's nothing, you know, bad about evangelizing or anything or, or even going out with a, with a friend for a beer and say, hey, let's, let's talk about Bible, you know, at dinner and we'll have a beer, whatever. I don't have a problem with that. But to focus your whole service and your environment around that, there is zero biblical example for that. Yeah. Zero. Jesus went to the temple and I guarantee you they didn't have beer there. Just so you know, that's my opinion. Well, right. I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with me or disagree with me. You can shoot me if you'd like, but don't do it because wait, I'll talk about that in a minute because we have another uh, story about that. I want to jump in, yeah. try to do this quick. I think beer is the least of this congregation's, uh, you know, problems. Uh, you know, right. the, the least of my concerns. They want to serve beer. They came into this place where, you know, they have this food court or whatever food pavilion, and there's beer there. Oh. Cool, we can just serve beer. I, this is the least problem. Their problem, to me, the one I'm most concerned about is their mission statement. Yeah. As mentioned, and I've got it here. I'll put it up on the screen. Let's see if I can make okay. it larger. Um, By the way, I see you, Derek. Happy. Well, it's Hi, going off buddy. the screen to make it large enough. Anyway, yeah. this is our mission. All theological and political perspectives are welcome, and our communion is open to all who wish to partake, regardless of your beliefs. Here at GPCC, we will embrace you regardless of your faith, 
personal life choices, race, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, political preference, social status, or economic standing. We love and value all equally and at greater purpose community church. All literally means all. Radical love and unity are sacred to our community. Okay. I loving all, regardless of, you know, any political persuasion, even sexual orientation, I'm cool with that. But he says, you're welcome and our communion is open to all, you know, no matter what you believe, no matter what you practice sexually, you know, anything like that, you have faith or no faith, you're welcome to be part of this community and part of this communion. That's, that's totally unbiblical in my so the actual communion, like taking the the bread and the wine. I don't know whether they do that, but even being a part of the community, and you okay, know, so long. What, what about pedophiles then? Yeah, I don't know. See, this right. it's not long ago, but you know, decades ago, the the Great Commission got all twisted around. Yeshua, Jesus said, "Go, therefore." And make disciples of all nations. Not not invite anybody who wants to come into the communion of believers. Come into our community. Join the congregation. Whether they believe, don't believe, whatever. And then then maybe they'll hear a sermon. And then you know they'll hear the gospel. And they'll get saved here. The, the model of, the, of Yeshua, his teaching. And modeled. You read through the book of Acts. They went out. They went out to bring the gospel to people. They made disciples even outside. And once they made a confession of faith in Yeshua as Messiah, received believers' baptism. It wasn't the baptistry in the synagogue. It was, you know, in the, the lake, the river, whatever. Once they had made a profession of faith and followed it with believers' baptism, then they became a part of the community of believers. Then they came in. Um, you know, you can read First Corinthians and the, and the disregard for communion official, the Lord's Supper, whatever, you know, you want to call it, uh, and just taking an unworthy manner. And that was, a, that was a letter to believers. How much more, no matter what you believe, no matter, come in here and be part of this community. No, no, is the, the church... With a capital C is a is a congregation of believers, of disciples of Yeshua. If they're and you know this this idea that we're going to bring them in and give them the gospel within this community, the the New Testament is replete with warnings against those sneaking in to the fellowship of believers that right. pretend to be, you know, the wolves in sheep's clothing, not just, oh, we know you're not a believer, whatever, come on in and be part of this community. No, well, not at all. Isn't it First Corinthians chapter 5 that actually tells you who to throw out of the church? Well, yeah, because... Those who are sexually immora- immoral, actually. Yeah. I mean, First Corinthians 5, I dare you to the, enforce that in the church today. I dare you. Yeah. Go, first of all, go read it. In your own time, go read First Corinthians chapter 5. Go read it. Yeah. Actually, look at what it says. Do do not keep company, even nope. to eat with such a one. Nope. You know, who's a brother and is living immorally. I mean, forget drinking beer. Don't even eat with such a person. If they call themselves a believer and they're living immorally, then kick them out of, of the fellowship believers. You're so hateful. Yeah.
No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, you God, are. God loves it. It looks like we're having streaming issues. I know. I refreshed. We're actually okay on Facebook, and Periscope just came back. So we're yeah, back. Hello, people. We're well, back. Well, I show yellow in our stream, but anyway. It's working over here. Okay. Okay. Back to green. No yellow, green, yellow, green. Anyway. Okay. So let's get to this next article right. then from RNS News. This is Religion News Service. Uh, today is August 2nd, and they say, here's an article titled, Why Fewer Americans Are Attending Religious Services. doesn't say Christian, just says religious. Uh, it says here, fewer adults are attending religious services in the United States, but not necessarily because they don't believe. Many cite practical or personal reasons for skipping weekly services, according to a new Pew Research Center data released Wednesday, yesterday, August 1st. Most notably, nearly 4 in 10 say they simply practice their faith in other ways and remain, quote, fairly religious by a number of measures, unquote, according to a Pew Associate Director of Research, Gregory A. Smith. For nearly 3 in 10 Americans, the reason they don't attend religious services is because they do not share religious beliefs. But more people say it's because they find another outlet for their faith. 37% or dislike certain things about the services, another 37%. They haven't found a place of worship that they like. They don't like the sermons at their place of worship, or they don't feel welcome. Of those believers who rarely or never attend services, 6 in 10 identify as Christian, and 44% uh, say they pray every day. So this is interesting. The top 10 or rather, top, top reasons U.S. adults give for choosing to attend or not attend religious services. There's this chart. Uh, and on it, to become closer to God, 81%. This was really big in the Catholic Church in particular. Um, 81%, like with my mom, she's like, when I first became a Christian, my mom, you know, she wasn't, she's, she is now, she's with the Lord. But, but she would like, I can pray here. I don't need to go to church and pray. But this is a real prevalent belief that people go to church to become closer to God. So children will have a moral foundation, 69%. To make me a better person, 68%. For comfort in times of trouble and sorrow, 66%. And it says here, among U.S. adults who attend religious services a few times a year or less often, uh, percent who say uh, something is very important, they do not attend more often. A reason they don't attend more often. I practice my faith in other ways, 37%. I am not a believer, 28%. I haven't found a church or house of worship by like 23%. It's unclear from the survey results how these respondents practice their faith instead. Smith said, those who rarely or never attend church uh, services don't seem to be joining community organizations instead. In fact, regular attendees still are more likely to join groups like a club or a charity. It's actually true. The new data follows previous surveys suggesting that the number of Americans attending religious services at least once a week is dropping. According to Pew's 2014 Religious Landscape Survey, those who say they go to church or another house of worship at least once a week fell from 39% in 2007 to 35% in 2014. In that same period, The number who say they seldom or never go to church, mosque, synagogue, or other service inched up from 27 to 30%. So it says here, the recent survey shows nonetheless that many of those who don't regularly attend services remain at least moderately religious. 
nearly all, 94% of those who attend services at least once a month and well over half, 61% who rarely or never attend uh, for reasons other than non-belief, say religion is at least somewhat important in their lives. All right, and it looks like here that uh, there was about 4,700 people in this survey, which is actually a good, it's a good, uh, uh, it's a good survey sample, and margin of error is 2.3. So it's actually very interesting. But again, it goes back to, um, for me, if you look at the reasons why people go to church, they don't actually mention Jesus, number one, because it's not all Christian churches they're talking about. But they don't talk about trying to be a disciple or growing in their faith and reading the Bible and all that. It's, it's, it's often one of these things where it's with them. What's in it for me, right? <clears throat> and Randall, well, I don't know about this. I, I have to say, how do I say this? I'm almost 50, Okay. So probably 20 years ago, Randall and I have been married almost 26 years. So probably 20 years ago, I was of the mindset when I went to church that I wanted to find a church that had worship music that I liked, had a, a pastor that I enjoyed listening to him because he actually read the Bible and taught it, uh, that had people my age I could hang out with, uh, that had all of this stuff that I actually was looking for. But the worship thing was really the biggest thing because I was a worship leader in the vineyard for many years in various churches and played guitar and sang, wrote my own stuff. And, and you know, Randall was on the worship team. He became an elder in numerous of the churches that we were in. And so, Only one. So, okay, but you were, you were in leadership regardless. Uh. And so, you know, for me, that was why I went to church. Well, hopefully as you mature... <laughs> At least with me, not that I'm saying I'm mature, because some people would debate that. Debate that. Um, you know, I I now no longer go to church because of anything having to do with the church. <laughs> True story. In fact, I do go to church, but I actually serve in the church. I don't. I don't care about the worship. I don't even. I mean, I care that the the pastor pre preaches a big biblical sermon, and he does. But, but if it's not up to my standards, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to church. And this is where it's so sad because it's like going to church for a lot of people. It's like, well, what's in it for me? It's not about serving other people or worshiping Jesus. It's about what they can get, you know? And, um, and that's really, really sad. So and I see Denise is on Facebook now. Derek left. Derek, Derek said, good discussion. I have to jump off, but would like to hear the rest of this. So Derek is a friend of mine who plays pickleball with me. And we have the same birthday, actually. It's kind of cool. Anyway. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on with our outbound stream. It's cutting in and out. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to refresh on Periscope because it, it froze with me, like, with this really funny looking <laughs> face. And it looks now like we're a... Uh, yeah, right now we have no outbound stream. Uh, so are we still on? Oh, oh we're... Okay. I don't know what's going on. But, huh. um, but at least we've got a recording that we can replace the uh, <laughs> Facebook and YouTube. And we're live again. Okay, anyway. So now here's another issue I wanted to bring up. 
Um, I wanted to remind you guys, speaking of church, hey, you know what? Here's the, here's the truth. I have to tell you that honestly, the, if you're relying on where you go to church to get fed spiritually and to grow spiritually, you may as well be relying on drinking one little glass of milk a day to give you your daily you know, intake of what you need for all your nutrients in your body. It ain't going to happen. It's not. You need to be in the God's word every day and you need to be be eating material that's healthy for you and that's biblical, which is why Ariel is, is so great. They have awesome material like this book, The Remnant of Israel, The History, Theology, and Philosophy of the Messianic Jewish Community. This is a book that you can get very affordably over at ariel.org and it is actually, uh, I don't know how much it is, but you can get 20% off. It's not that expensive. All right, and they also have these these Bible studies. I shared this yesterday. This is the Come and See series. This is Messiah Yeshua, uh, Divine Redeemer. Um, it's all about the Lord and His role and all that. You can get this one. You can get this one, which is what we know about God, theology proper. And again, these are actually transcriptions from Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum's uh, original radio broadcasts. Okay, so you can get that. And we got here the Word of God, which is really good too. And these are like bite-sized little snacks you can eat with your Bible and, and really grow in your faith. Seriously. And this is the thing. So many people are so afraid to share what they believe because they don't know what they believe. But if you have a little resource that can help you understand what you believe more and understand the Bible, then you're not, you know, you're not going to have you're not going to be as afraid. You're going to be bold in your faith, right? We talk about that all the time. <clears throat> this here, too, is a commentary. It's called the Messianic Jewish Epistles. And this is Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, and Jude. This is a definite must-have commentary. If, you're, if you love the epistles like I do, especially all of these books, these are some of my favorite books, then you'll, you'll want to get this and go to uh, Ariel and... and uh, Put in, put in Bible news and save 20% when you get it. So I want to encourage you to do that because definitely worth it. Yeah, I know, uh, Vandal, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's bummer, man. I, I, I really, you know, I'm really trying to ignore the internet connectivity issues because it just distracts me and it's really irritating to me. Uh, but there's that, and we just want to tell you over and over again about Ariel and what they offer. Um, also, don't forget, you can get the Bible study. It's called Why is God Saving Gentiles Today? That's over on our website, BibleNewsRadio.com, on the resources page, I think. Yes, right. yes that's correct. <laughs> All right. Also on that resources page is the mobile app Bullhorn, which is also sponsoring our show for now. Um, you can go ahead and you can download um, that mobile app, follow Bible News Radio, Stacey Lynn Harp. Also follow Randall K. Harp or Randall Harp. Well, I'm, I'm putting my stuff on the Bible News Radio oh, channel. Oh, they can still follow you. Yeah. I, I actually did a live uh, thing with my friend JR today. I, I, uh, they, I think they were playing an Eagles song, and I, I live streamed it over on Bullhorn, so you can listen to it later if you like the Eagles. I think it was the song Peaceful Easy Feeling, but I can't remember because <clears throat> I sat through like an hour of music, all that. Okay. Also, I got to tell you something else. 
One of my pet peeves in life is people who drive and live stream. One of my biggest pet peeves. Because people think that they're invincible and that they're not going to get in a car accident or anything. And, and I haven't brought this up in a while, but I just have to share just a minute because this morning there was a, a guy who is influential in Legal Shield. He's, he's a real go-getter. And um, I actually admire watching him try to sell Legal Shield because he, he's documenting his experience. But he left this video in one of the groups where he's driving along, you know, talking about his stats and what he's doing with Legal Shield and, and everything. And he's looking, looking to the side. and You can tell he's slowing down and all that, you know. And uh, I had messaged him privately uh, about a month or so ago. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, I really would like, I feel uncomfortable watching you put up your videos when you're driving and I said you know I really would prefer it if you didn't because I've had some friends who got hurt because of cell phone use and live streaming etc okay just so you know it really bothers me and uh, he claimed he wasn't driving in the particular one that I mentioned the first time but I think he was lying to me actually at this point so anyway long story short I messaged it. I put a comment on the thread and I, and I put a link to a video of the famous YouTuber who ran into a big rig and ended up in the hospital when he was live streaming. So, so George, good old George, he messages me instead of leaving a comment in the thread for everybody. See, he, he sends me a, a message and he asks if he can call me up. What's my phone number? So I gave it to him. I gave it to him and, um, and, uh, and, and then I asked him, I said, do you want to call me up so you can yell at me? Smiley face, you know, like I knew because I knew he was clearly bothered by what I said. And he said, no, not yell, but talk to you. And I said, that's fine. Stop driving and live streaming. And, and his response was no, no. So I said, so you like putting people at risk? Not cool. And then he says, Stacy, can you talk to me now? And I said, yes. And then he said, actually, never mind. It's income producing activities. Time for me. And I don't want to interrupt that to have a conversation with you. I said, okay, nothing against you. Have a great day. That's what he said. Good luck in making a great day. So I said to him, I am having a great day because it was super early. <laughs> but I want you to understand that just because you think you're being careful doesn't mean you are. One of my best friends got hit by someone doing what you do. And it almost killed her. And I used to do it myself. So I get the pull to do it. But it's not worth it. It literally takes a second, and I wouldn't even be telling this to you if I didn't care. And George blocked me. He blocked me right after I said that. Okay? So I went ahead, I made a video, I posted it in the Legal Shield group, and I'm still waiting for feedback on it. But I, I bring this up because in jest, I actually made a video talking about how you need Legal Shield if you live stream and you talk on your cell phone because the likelihood of you getting an accident is a lot higher because you're putting your life at risk and other people's lives at risk. And so it's kind of like a public service announcement here to just remind you, don't do it. 
pull over to the side of the road, stay in a parking lot, get out of your car. If you're so tempted to live stream and talk on your phone while you're driving, then put your phone in the trunk. If you're a woman, put it inside your purse at the bottom, zip your purse up, throw it in the back seat. Make sure you can't reach it. Put it somewhere where you're not going to be the one who's going to cause an accident. Because frankly, you're going to get, the probability of you getting in an accident is very high because so many people drive with their phones. And state after state after state after state are actually passing laws and they're finding people through the nose who do this, right? Why? Because people, life is important. It's valid. It's us. Hello. We don't, you know, we don't want to actually, uh, like, die stupidly. I mean, in a dumb way. You know, I'm, I'm sure I can have my friend Mia and Kim come on my show and talk to you about some of the accidents that they've seen and how cell phones have been the, the, the culprit of it. Guarantee you they, they have stories, I bet. Right, Mia? These guys are lifelike paramedics, by the way. So it's like, it's not that important. And if people get mad and ticked off at me for bringing it up, I don't care. Just so you know, I don't. I really don't. But I do want to encourage you to get Legal Shield because frankly, it will protect you if you're alive. First of all, it will protect you because you can get your will done. By the way, August is will month, so you should make you should get your will done anyway. Get it in order, you know. Seriously, just get it in order. So yeah, Mia's saying, yep. Yeah, so Mia uh, is that, is, is, she knows, man. She deals with it. She deals with the idiots that do this. And a lot of kids, they do it. I'll, especially the kids, they're doing it and they're drinking, driving, they're doing marijuana, they're doing coke, they're, they're, they're high on alcohol, drugs, you know, it's causing stuff. I read a story today where a girl, a teenage girl actually, uh, they live streamed the accident that she was in. She killed her younger sister. She ended up in jail. She was sentenced like a couple days ago to six years in jail. The video of her and her sister went viral because her sister died last year. And I don't know about you. I don't want that on my conscience. I do not want somebody killed because I'm so selfish to think that my driving, I'm so super cool that I'm, you know, this split second, you know, uh, not too long ago, I was driving down my street and I told somebody this. I think it was in maybe an Instagram. I was driving down my street, going down my street, getting ready to turn onto the other street, which is the two-way highway, right? My phone slipped off my thing. I went down to reach it. I literally looked away for like a second and I almost got hit. Two helicopters out right now f doing a field amputation. See, that's horrible. That's horrible, Mia. I really should have you and Kim on the show because I think you guys, first of all, would love, I think it would be awesome to have you on. But, but anyway, so my point is, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, me and my friend Jennifer, you know, we used to do Marco Polo all the time. Me and Jennifer would. That would be like the only time we would talk when we were in our cars. Uh, after I saw that video of that YouTube guy running into getting smashed up and in the hospital, I told Jennifer, I said, Jennifer, we can't do this anymore. We have to stop it. And, and, the, and the problem is it's so tempting. It is so tempting. Oh, let's just put it over here. Oh, it's in a case, whatever, uh, blah, blah, etc. Let's do that. 
no, just stop it. Stop it. Don't do it. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's hard for me not to do it because, you know, I do this. Hi, Sabrina. You know, but don't do it. You know, but do become a member of Legal Shield because I'll tell you why. Because look, if you're in a car accident, you'll have a law firm right in the palm of your hand, assuming you are alive to be able to call them. <laughs> you know, true story. You can call them. They can help you. If you are live streaming or on your cell phone and you're speeding, you get pulled over. Guess what? With Legal Shield, you can get a snap that ticket, send it to your law firm, and they'll help you out. Just saying. Yeah, the connection has been in and out. Sorry about that. We have nothing to do with it, actually. It's I, I think it's Periscope, and I don't know what it is. But anyway, bottom line is Legal Shield can definitely help you guys out. And and you can get your will done. And I, you know, there's a part of me that's kind of like in there. Yeah, get your will done in case you die because you're, <laughs> you're driving and you're live streaming. You know, there's way more deaths than you guys think, right? That's why all these states have passed laws. Anyway, you can get your will done. It costs like a thousand bucks to get your will done. But for 25 bucks a month minus five cents for your family, you can get your will done and update it every year. So it's a good, good thing. Okay, I mean, Legal Shield is a really great product. It's extremely affordable, and I really love you guys and really want you to sign up to get it because it will definitely help you out. There's way more to it. I'm not going to make this an infomercial, but I do want you to get in touch with me and sign up, especially this month, because the sooner you do it, the better. Okay, and the ID Shield, the same thing. Nine ninety five a month protect all your identity, uh, all your stuff. Your stuff will get protected. Your social, all that stuff, not just your credit cards, your debit card, everything. And you would not believe this morning. In fact, I was on uh, the phone with Kroll, who is the one that actually uh, does the stuff. They monitor all your stuff because I got an alert for my email. I got a couple of alerts like two or three days ago. And I went in, I, I was checking it. And and so it, I did not recognize what was going on. And so what you do on that is you click the button and you call Kroll up. And they, they say, hi, can we help you? This is, you know, we're, you're, we're your protector. And I said, well, I have, a, I have a couple alerts that came up. I do not recognize this stuff. And this morning when I was talking to Kroll about identi my Identity Shield account, they actually said to me, oh, it, oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about, yeah. You know what that is? I go, no, I don't. That's why I called you. <laughs> and this is my email I use most of the time, right? Hi, Tommy. And, and anyway, thank you for sharing that out too. Bye. And so, and so, you know, the guy said, he said, what that is, is that is that we found on the black market websites that your email address and stuff, your, your account has been, uh, compromised and so you need to go in right away and change your password on that because somebody has tried to get into your account without your knowledge and if you're like me and I know a lot of you are you use your email to buy stuff online and you probably have your credit card number or your address or all this other stuff in your email and so if people can hack into your email and you don't know it that's how they get it. That's actually what happened with LifeLock last week. By the way, LifeLock has allegedly cleaned up their issue now, but it's through the email. So getting identity theft protection that covers all of that stuff for 10 bucks a month is a no-brainer. And um, just like that old saying about, hey, 
that guy's in a, in a boat and he's getting ready to drown and there's a helicopter that comes by trying to save him <laughs> and the guy's like ah no i'm waiting for something else and then a big boat comes by and tries to save him and he's like ah no no i'm waiting for something else i'm that boat i'm that helicopter <laughs> just saying <laughs> this honestly is your solution right because when it happens and i guarantee you it is going to happen you're gonna have a mess to clean up and you're not gonna like it <clears throat> at all okay and yes i i believe that as well okay so jeff sessions uh here there's an article titled why jeff sessions thinks christians are under siege in america uh i believe he's our attorney general I could be wrong, but I think that's who he is, right, Tommy? Is Jeff Sessions the Attorney General? It says says here, the roots of the war over religious liberty, the subject of a new Justice Department task force, explained. Oh, just one last thing about Legal Shield and ID Shield. There is this perks program. I was talking to one of my friends that I signed up, uh, and I'm going to be posting this in my perks in my my group that, that all of you guys are in that I put in there. And I want you to know that she told me today she saved 300 bucks using perks for her kid in Disneyland and some other stuff. Uh, 300 bucks that pays for a number of months of, of your, your membership right there because she had that. So anyway, I didn't want to forget the perks because the perks are really, really valid. So, all right. Uh, yeah, I've heard about Brax from, uh, from Ryan. So I have to definitely check that out. Okay, it says here on Vox.com, a dangerous movement undetected by many is now challenging and eroding our our great tradition of religious freedom, said Attorney General Jeff Sessions this week, announcing the formation of a Justice Department task force devoted to defending religious liberty. The movement must be confronted and defeated. Sessions added, painting a grim picture in which ministers were afraid to preach the word of God, religious organizations were labeled as hate groups for espousing traditional morality, and famously, a baker was sanctioned by Colorado for refusing to create a cake for a gay couple's wedding. By the way, I had that couple on our show a while back. But that baker recently won his case before the Supreme Court, even if the victory was not as sweeping as religious conservatives might have hoped. Yes, that Ryan. Indeed, as Vox, Vox's Tara Isabel Burton points out, religious plaintiffs seeking religious exemptions have amassed a solid record in the courts in recent years, notably in Hobby Lobby, in which the owners of the craft store chain were freed from the obligation to cover contraception in their health plan. So why does the rhetoric of religious liberty remain so potent on the right? I spoke with Nelson Tebb, a law professor at Cornell Law School and the author of Religious Freedom in an Egalitarian Age, about how this once sleepy corner of the law became a flashpoint in the culture wars, about Justice Antonin Scalia's surprising role in awakening the modern debate, and about the, the might hap- and what might happen if the Colorado baker, Jack Phillips, makes it back to the Supreme Court. This interview has been lightly edited for clarity. So it says here that this is quite long, but I'm not going to read it, just so you know. But I do want you to know that this is a big, huge issue. And because I didn't realize how long this article is, (laughs) I don't want to spend the rest of the show reading it. 
So I'm going to tweet this out, but let me just mark this. There is a religious war, uh, a culture war against Christians who are biblical, traditional, and conservative. And if you don't believe it, all you got to do is try to post something traditional, biblical, and conservative on all your social media and see how far it gets without boosting it, without paying for it. And even if you do pay for it, look at how far it gets. Okay. Also, I wanted to, I wanted to share this other story headline. In case you didn't know, Pastor, uh, um, remember the pastor that's over there in Turkey? Yeah, the nation, the Islamic nation that likes to kill Christians. Um, according to uh, FreeBeacon.com, there have been now U.S. sanctions. The, the United States has sanctioned Turkey uh, over over the pastor's detention. What they did was they took him out of the, the jail and they put him under house arrest. Yeah, they did. So White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders announced on Wednesday that the United States will impose sanctions on Turkish officials in response to the imprisonment of American pastor Andrew Brunson in Turkey. At the president's direction, the Department of Treasury is sanctioning Turkey's Minister of Justice and Minister of Interior, both of whom played leading roles in the arrest and detention of Pastor Brunson. As a result, any property or interest in property of both ministers within U.S. jurisdiction is blocked and U.S. persons are generally prohibited from engaging in transactions with them. Uh, and it says here, we've seen no evidence that Pastor Brunson has done anything wrong and we believe he's the victim of unfair and unjust detention by the government of Turkey. And it goes on, it says more, but the good news is that America is doing something. I guarantee, guarantee under Barack Hussein Obama, mm -hmm, nothing would have happened. So we need to keep praying for this guy, uh, Pastor Brunson, who is from North Carolina. He's an American citizen. He was over there ministering the gospel, arrested for no reason. Okay, so that's that's very important to to do to take care of. And then I don't know if you guys caught this. This is another really interesting idea. There has been this big debate, and if you guys know about this debate about the 3D gun controversy, have you heard about this, Randall? Well, I know there's been some controversy with the uh, with the use of 3D printers becoming more prevalent. There's uh -huh. there have been just uh, plans shared on the internet for printing gun parts, you know, to assemble your own guns you know parts of it or you know for replacement parts stuff like that you know some things don't work as plastic you know very well as of you know like the firing pin or things like that but there are parts that um anyway yeah it's can. it's actually crazy okay so there's this article titled uh, senator mike lee shuts down dem bill it's democrat to make it illegal to, publi to publish 3D gun blueprints. 3D gun blueprints. It's the blueprints. It's actually not the gun. It's the blueprint. Okay. It says here, a conservative senator on Tuesday blocked an effort by Senate Democrats to ban blueprints of 3D printed guns from being posted on the Internet. Uh, senator Mike Lee, uh, Republican Utah, objected to a unanimous consent request to advance a bill Senate Democrats, led by Senator Bill Nelson, who's in Florida, there's a big shocker, uh, introduced to make it illegal to publish with intent a computer-aided design CAD. 
file that program that that programs a 3D printer to make a firearm to the internet. These 3D printed plastic firearms can evade our detection systems and are a direct threat to our national security. And we are going to let these go up on the internet tonight at midnight? Question mark. Nelson's bill attracted 30 Democrat co-sponsors who latched onto the legislation after the Trump administration reached a legal settlement with Defense Distributed, a Texas-based group that runs an online de- depository for 3D printed gun files to release the CAD files for 3D printed firearms on the internet. Eight states sued to prevent those files from being published, and on Tuesday, a federal judge issued a nationwide injunction Tuesday blocking Defense Distributed from posting the files. The administration has surrendered to the crazed demands of a self-described anarchist who is going to put this up on the internet. He wants to slow he, he wants to sow chaos. He said he said so in our country and across the world by by making these blueprints widely available. Okay? So, you know, ultimately what this this is all about, really, it's about your gun, your right to own a gun and how you you get it. Right? I mean, think about it. Okay, so the NRA, the National Rifle Association, they actually put out a statement. Here's what they said. Uh, this is out of Fairfax, Virginia. Chris W. Cox, executive director of the National Rifle Association Institute for Legislative Action, released the following statement on Tuesday. Many anti-gun politicians and members of the media have wrongly claimed that 3D printing technology will allow for the production and widespread proliferation of undetectable plastic firearms. Regardless of what a person may be able to publish on the internet, undetectable plastic guns have been illegal for 30 years. Federal law passed in 1988, crafted with NRA's support, makes it unlawful to manufacture, import, sell, ship, deliver, possess, transfer, or receive an undetectable firearm. It's ridiculous. It's actually, actually completely ridiculous and mark my words they want what, what's ridiculous the, the whole thing this whole conversation is stupid mm-hmm. right first of all how many people are actually going to go ahead and print up a gun that's but, the stupidest way in my opinion to even get a gun i mean in my uh, opinion that's dumb that's the stupidest way possible to get a gun i, I don't know how would you get a gun i i would go down to a store uh, i would show my license I would show my permit that I needed if I needed one. And I'd say, can I have a class so I can learn how to handle this thing before I kill myself and somebody else? (laughs) I know this is talking about nefarious evildoers who will actually do it and not care, but... Right, no matter what laws are passed. Yeah, and Vandal says, wouldn't a plastic gun get too hot and even melt from the heat of shooting? (laughs) Probably. It's it's not, yeah, it's 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 not something that would be used for like an automatic or even semi-automatic... firearm it'd be like a, a one use kind of thing yeah it's a false and, premise i agree and and yeah that yeah and as the chris cox said that undetectable plastic guns have been illegal for 30 years uh since it was you know possible to make them and and they're not i don't think they're completely plastic but uh anyway yeah it's not the kind of thing that you're gonna hold a robbery with or you know storm a government facility or anything like that and so you know what i think it is is you know for the anti-gun 
politicians, you know, they can they can regulate manufacturers and stuff like that. They can make it illegal to purchase one or possess one. But if you can print one, you can make one at home. You know, but you could make one at home if you you know you can you can uh, you can make your own. You know, um, gosh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, basically not not a forge, but a um, you know where you melt metals, um, furnace, um, smelter. I don't know. Anyway, smelter. No. A smelting pot. No, but you can a smoldering pot. But you know the. It's not like the technology. You don't need a CAD file. You can go to look at your library. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> if it hasn't been invaded by anti-gun politicians, and find what you need to, you know, for metallurgy, you know, to for lathing, anything you need, you can you can make your own firearm with or out a 3D printer. Mold. Tommy says mold. No. Um, so, okay. So, it's not the guns. Let me oh, ask you. Oh, it's, it's 5 okay, o'clock me, already. Yeah, I know. Let me ask you this, though, okay? So, just for sake of argument, how many... Asking of, me or... Or everybody, but you're here. I can hear you. So, out of all of the the big terrorist attacks on our country since 9-11, how many of them were actually done with guns as opposed to homemade bombs, vehicles, suicide bombing, that type of thing? Box cutters. Box cutters. I mean, think about it. In the Old Testament. Fertilizer. Good old David. He used the rock. Let's just say it. Should we outline rock? Should we, like, ban rocks? Slingshots? Bows and arrows? Paper? Pencils? Pens? Water? Because you can drown in water. You could kill people with water. I mean, that's easy. You could poison them. Yeah, you could. I mean, seriously. it's These anti-gun people drive me crazy. Okay, they drive me crazy because they don't care about the actual evidence that shows people who are armed actually you're less likely to get killed when somebody is armed. There and I've said this before and I and I'm going to go over like 5 minutes at least. There's this old episode of All in the Family and Archie Bunker, he's sitting there in the, his chair and he's talking to Meathead or Meatball or whatever the heck the guy's name is. Was it Meatball or Meathead? Meatball? Meathead. Meathead. <laughs> Very appropriate name for Rob Reiner. Anyway, his 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 son-in-law talking to Meatball, Meathead. Anyway, he's talking to Meathead about whether or not pilots should have guns on planes. And Meathead is saying, no, nobody should have a gun. Blah, 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 blah. And Carol Connors, Archie, Archie Bunker said, no, actually, the pilot should have a gun and everybody on the plane should have a gun. Because what it would be the likelihood of a gunfight happening as a result. If everybody is armed, then... No one's going to attempt the hijacking. Right. If, if you know every seat, <laughs> every every person in every seat is packing heat, then you're not going to do anything stupid. Exactly. Because their lives are on the line. They'll take you out if you plan on... I think Meatloaf to... is a group. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you thought that was funny. Okay, there's one other, there's one other uh, the story. I just want to throw out the headline because this was really interesting. Cold showers. How many of you take those? I mean, I'm not trying to get into your you know, business here. Just asking an innocent question. Do you take a cold shower once in a while? Because according to this article over on 
The Harvard Business Review, a super snooty name for an article, you know, publication. Cold showers lead to fewer sick days. Did you know that? Listen That's surprising. It says here, Gert A. Bougies, I'm not sure I said his name right, but whatever, and his colleagues asked 3,000 volunteers in the Netherlands to finish their morning showers with a 30, 60, or a 90-second blast of cold water or to shower as they usually did for 30 consecutive days. Then the researchers looked at the work attendance records of the same people over that period. On average, in all the groups that doused themselves with cold water, people were absent 29% fewer days than people in the control group. And the researchers' conclusion is that cold showers lead to fewer sick days. Isn't that interesting? It says here, so then it says, defend your research, buddy. I really want to see you prove it, what you just said, because this sounds really stupid to me. It would stand to reason that if you're showering with cold water, you're going to actually get a cold instead of, you know, being healthier. Anyway, so it says here, this is the high, first level evidence, high, this is the first high level evidence showing that cold showers can benefit your health. People who took them for at least 30 seconds for one month called in sick 29% less than our control group and 54% less if they also engaged in regular physical exercise. But why would cold showers make us less sick? <clears throat> the the Harvard Business Review wants to know. This is a subtle but important point. Participants who took the cold showers actually reported feeling ill just as many days on average as the people who showered normally, but either their symptoms were less severe or they felt more energetic, so they were better, better able to push through the sickness and function anyway. The exact effect on the immune system is unclear, but we do have some knowledge of the pathway through which it works. Cold temperatures make you shiver, and autonomous, 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 how do you say that? Autonomous? Autonomous. <laughs> yeah. Response to keep your body temperature up. Anyway, it involves a neuroendocrine effect and triggers our fight-or-flight response causing hormones like cortisol to increase shortly before we shift to a relaxation response. Moreover, cold temperatures activate the, the brown or good fat in the body. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, goes on and on, but you can look it up and, and read it if you want. You don't have to. Just, you know, just know that, uh, you know, I actually think... I'm, I'm not really sure I actually agree with this personally. It was a short study, first of all. It was only a month. Yeah, this, yeah but this whole thing that, oh, you'll catch a cold if you're out in the cold. There was a study several years back that I read. I can't tell the particulars who led it in the, the groups, what there were, the control groups. But anyway, one was um, exposed to early morning. They put on their swimsuits, and they were sprayed with cold water. You know, for you know, so many seconds or minutes, and and uh, they lived in a place where the temperature was cool or whatever, and and they didn't catch colds any more than people who were not sprayed with cold water early in the morning, or you know, had was warmer inside, and yeah. So, so apparently, just being exposed to cold doesn't mean you'll catch a cold. So yeah. Well, <clears throat> I would talk to people in Alaska and I'd find out, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, or Montana. Hey, do you, do you guys, you know, or do you get more colds than people in California? I'm guessing not. Cause, Probably not. Cause 
cold virus. It's too cold for a cold virus to live there. Because the virus is going, boo, I actually need a jacket right now because I'm too cold here. <laughs> it freezes. The virus freezes itself to death. I don't know if that's true or not. But anyway, tomorrow apparently is Friday, I think. Which means you get a Rumor show has it. just like this, people. Yeah, you do. Actually, um, I wanted to tell you, um, in all seriousness, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show. Hopefully this was fun, but also informative. And so if you like the show, if you want to donate to Bible News Radio, become a pillar of the community, please donate at our website. And also... Uh, <laughs> At Harvard, they were using Evian water. That's the trick. That's funny. Uh, and that's a good question, Melanie. Does the polar bear club get sick? I don't know. Ask Tony Robbins. He jumps in cold water every day, apparently. Uh, but anyway, if you want to donate to our show, feel free. Also, don't forget, Prophecy Watchers Conference is coming up in October. Uh, we would love your help getting the funding for that. We're looking for about 1400 bucks or so. That will actually help fund our drive, our pet care, our hotel, because uh, <laughs> it's not in our budget. So if you want to donate to that and put, like, go into the conference, then that would help too. So far, we haven't gotten any donations on that, just so you know. Uh, I know you're waiting until the last minute, but that would be cool if we could, like, start tallying it before then and now, because I'm living by faith, just so you know. All right, and certainly last but not least, if you want to sign up for Legal Shield or ID Shield, get in touch with me. If you're already on my team, please refer people to us. And um, if you want to be on the team and, and learn how to sell it yourself and make some extra money, also get in touch with us, okay? And uh, thank you for all you do. I really appreciate it. I really do. And so does Tuggy Bear and Grover and my cat Gideon. Who we named after the Gideons International and Gideon in the Bible. And just as an aside, I actually tried cat food the other day. It almost made Randall throw up. It was so funny. <laughs> okay, no, wait. this should have been for free for all Friday, but I just have to I just have to add this just because <laughs> because it was driving me crazy, to be honest. I feed my cat wet cat food every day. He, he, In the morning, he's like, meow, meow, meow in my face. And then he pounces on me. And then he practically drags me downstairs so that I can give him his food. He's always begging for it. And I, I was so curious about if it was salty. And Randall, he's like, oh, that stuff's so horrible. I go, I know, it stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway... And so I, I had to, uh, I had to try it because, you know, you hear these stories about old women who are starving, they eat cat food to survive, you know, and I thought, well, if I ever get to that point, I might want to try it ahead of time, just see if I would be interested. <laughs> so what I did was, okay, this is a true story. So I actually took a little, a little, little dinky piece of the cat food, probably barely enough to fit on the edge of my fingernail, okay, the wet stuff, and I tasted it, and I was like, oh, this isn't salty at all, I actually thought that this would be, like, salty, <laughs> I talked to my cat, and I said, really, you like this stuff, and he's like, yeah, actually, I do. 
And then Randall can testify right after I tasted it. I went over to the kitchen sink. I spit it out. <laughs> I washed myself out. Was I was like that. <laughs> I do not recommend it. Just so you know. Unless you want to add salt. Because it was really, really bland. And I was like, gosh. I don't understand how bland this stuff is. I really thought it would. I thought it was going to be salty. But anyway. <sighs> yeah. In case you care. Now you know. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Remember, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. Talk to you later.